Dr. O.C. Smith was a medical examiner in Tennessee. He became famous when he was the subject of a bizarre attack in his office, having chemicals thrown in his face, then being subdued and tied down with barbed wire and left with a motion-activated bomb around his neck. He was stuck in this position for hours until a security guard finally found him in a stairwell. The police response was swift and thorough, but despite several leads, the investigation went nowhere. Who was behind this bizarre attack? And why did Dr. Smith lose his job over this incident? Missing, hidden, the podcast about bad things. Welcome, welcome, welcome into another soulful version of Killing, Missing, Hidden Plus. I'm your host, Brad, and I thank you deeply for tuning in. Your support is really allowing us to reach out and gather more resources that hopefully are going to shape the future of this podcast. You know, the money we generate from ads and from subscriptions, it's truly dumped right back into this podcast. I haven't used it to fund any trips to Maui or Australia yet. Now, I know the focus of this extra content is generally on, you know, the freakier side of things or paranormal type events, but we're going to dip back into true crime today. Sort of. This isn't going to be a murder, but it's a very, very bizarre case that actually was suggested to me many moons ago by listener Carrie. And I've been wanting to cover it, but I always felt like there just wasn't enough I could dig up to make it a full episode in my opinion so i think this one may be a bit of a mini-sode but i hope y'all enjoy it because it's weird so shall we begin yes 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 we should begin so this is a story that has a bit of legendary status in memphis tennessee it all began on june 1st 2002 Shelby County Medical Examiner Dr. O.C. Smith was found early one morning by a security guard in a county morgue stairwell. He was wrapped tightly in barbed wire. And more frighteningly, he had a bomb strapped around his neck. Now, this was a man who was known to all involved in the local criminal justice system and was generally trusted. He had been in the medical examiner's office in some capacity since 1978, and he was finally appointed the head of the department in 1999. Dr. Smith investigated hundreds of murders for the county and was believed to have testified in roughly 30% of the convictions in Tennessee that led to a death sentence being imposed. Now, because of this, Dr. Smith certainly had a long list of potential enemies. You know, the family of anyone sitting on death row, opponents of the death penalty. He had even gotten on the wrong side of a local religious extremist group. And, you know, Dr. Smith had received several threatening letters throughout his career, and it just kind of went with the territory. He also had a bit of a reputation for making contentious findings when it was some of his colleagues telling the media he was known to 
maybe reach a little bit when making conclusions. Now, regard regardless of how he acted professionally, you know, this is a horrifying situation for anyone to be in. But no one knew who was behind this attack. Even Dr. Smith said, you know, he was coming out of his office when some sort of chemical was sprayed or thrown in his face and it temporarily blinded him. This allowed the attacker to hogtie his legs again with barbed wire and then kind of secured him to security bars around a window in a stairwell and a position that some took as a crucifixion style of hog tying. Then this bomb was placed on his neck. Dr. Smith said the assailant told him the bomb was motion activated and said, quote, twist it, shake it, or move it, you're dead. Welcome to death row. That was the warning Dr. Smith was left with. When the ATF or, you know, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms investigated, they quickly determined, yeah, the bomb was real. Yeah, it was motion activated. And yeah, it could easily take Dr. Smith's life. Fortunately, they were able to remove it. There was no casualties. But naturally, police kind of viewed this as an attack on one of their own, and they began a ferocious investigation. They were of the mind that this attack was linked to a recent autopsy performed by Dr. Smith that resulted in a rather controversial finding of murder. Essentially, what had happened, as best I understand it, is police got into a shootout. One officer was killed. And Dr. Smith said it, the bullet that killed this officer came from the defendant's weapon. But there was a whole lot of rumors that this was actually a case of friendly fire. Now, you know, once this happened, once Dr. Smith was free, he instantly kind of shut himself off from the world. You know, he wouldn't do interviews with the media he wouldn't talk to people as he was coming and going from work. And he said it was because he feared for his safety, which totally makes sense. And he was also scared of, you know, saying the wrong thing to the wrong reporter and accidentally antagonizing whoever was behind the initial attack. Surprisingly, this wasn't the first time Dr. Smith had to deal with a bomb. Only three months before this incident, several bombs were discovered down the hall from Dr. Smith's office, which were powerful enough that it really could have caused significant damage to that building, possibly killing Dr. Smith and others. Now, when the ATF were able to inspect the bomb, they confirmed that whoever made the bomb that was put on Dr. Smith also had made the bombs that were found in the building three months before. Ultimately, we have 17 state and federal agencies get involved in this investigation, and the case became featured on America's Most Wanted in an effort to, you know, dig up some tips from the public. After about 18 months, though, nothing had really turned up. No one was talking. There was no rumors on the street. And there were a couple of events that caused the investigation to turn. 
absolutely no connections could be found between the attack and any person of interest. And believe me, police named a lot of persons of interest. Police were kind of starting to develop an opinion that this only made sense as a random attack, but who would want to randomly go into this law enforcement building and attack a medical examiner with a bomb twice, you know? So police decided what they would do is try to recreate the attack that Dr. Smith suffered. They were hoping this would give them more insight into how exactly it went down. So they went through the interview they had taken with Dr. Smith, and they tried to follow what he said happened to a T. But it, when they did this, they came away with more questions than answers. Even the chemical agent that, they, that was found on Dr. Smith's face, one brave, stupid, or very green member of law enforcement had this blown into his face, and it really only caused minor effects. You know, the investigator's eyes were kind of watery, and it burned his skin, but it was pretty mild. And, you know, after they got to where they were going to clean it off, they took pictures, and the damage done to this investigator's face was pretty darn close to how Dr. Smith was found. Further, there was no physical evidence found at the scene. Zero. None. And this really, really puzzled investigators because if someone's using barbed wire, there should have been traces of blood or fibers or something. And from the get-go, the forensics folks were saying, guys, something's weird about this. Apparently, the segment shown on America's Most Wanted produced very interesting tips as well that affected the course of the investigation. In September of 2003, out of the blue, with no warning, the the mayor of Shelby County, that doesn't make sense to me, but apparently that's how it works in Tennessee, made the decision that Dr. Smith needed to be removed from office. There was nothing to hint that this was coming. It was just like he woke up one day and decided he had to go. Now, the mayor explained this decision was based on evidence that had been provided to him and upon the advice of the county attorney's office. And then shortly thereafter, an arrest was made for the attack. Dr. Smith was arrested. That's right. Investigators determined that Dr. Smith had planned this whole event himself. Both placement of the bombs in the building and his own barbed wire bow tie thing. Why? Why would he do this? What sense does this make? I mean, this is bizarre to make that suggestion. Well, prosecutors presented a theory 
that Dr. Smith had this mental disorder that caused him to seek out sympathy and attention in grandiose ways. It's known as factitious victimization disorder. So formally, Dr. Smith is charged with making illegal reports to federal agents and illegal possession of a bomb. It turns out when shortly before this arrest was made, police decided to interview Dr. Smith again. And when doing so, he told a different story than he did the first time. Now, granted, there's been some passage of time, and I don't know specifically what changes occurred in his story. That was never reported. But the changes were significant enough that law enforcement was of the opinion that it wouldn't be the sort of thing you'd mess up. You know, maybe maybe you forget that the assailant started tying, you know, your your feet together going left to right instead of right to left. But this was apparently a, a big screw up. And when they reviewed some of the medical records from the EMT personnel, they found out that the chemical burns Dr. Smith had suffered, they never reached his eyes. It was as if he was wearing sunglasses or had covered up his eyes before the chemical was thrown into his face. They were also confused as to why there was no defensive wounds at all on Dr. Smith. Really, there was no wounds beyond the little nicks he was getting from the barbed wire and the burns from the chemical. Now, this is really troubling to have a medical examiner of this magnitude arrested because not only does it run the risk of undermining the public's confidence in the police department and in the prosecutor's office, and in the criminal justice system as a whole. But remember, I said he was responsible for giving testimony in 30% of the people who are on death row. All of those convictions are now suspect because this guy is willing to go to such lengths to get attention. However, it seems, as best I could tell, that none of those convictions were overturned because of Dr. Smith's faulty testimony. Uh, Dr. Smith ended up going to trial on his federal charges, but the jury couldn't reach a verdict. The judge declared a mistrial, which effectively is a ruling that there's no result. You know, this is a nullity. For all intents and purposes, the trial didn't count. It means prosecutors can certainly bring the case to trial again, but they decided not to prosecute Dr. Smith a second time. So he got out of it. That doesn't mean his life was all hunky-dory afterwards, as you know, he had lost his job, he had lost his reputation. He ended up bouncing around through some minor positions before eventually kind of surfacing again uh, at a, another Tennessee hospital as a pathologist. And he got in more trouble there because it turns out he was forging death certificates. He was changing causes of death. 
he just he just couldn't live right. He just wouldn't do the right thing. Dr. Smith ended up passing away from a heart attack of July of 2019 without ever really explaining why he did what he did. My conclusion on this one is pretty short. This is totally bizarre. I mean, the story of Dr. O.C. Smith is legendary because it's so crazy. Um, and I don't really know what to say about it. It's very disappointing when someone like a medical examiner has an agenda. You know, prosecutors have a job. Defense attorneys have a job. Police officers have a job. And, you know, though, ex excluding defense attorneys, you know, they those folks really shouldn't have an agenda. But it's certainly understandable that they get caught up in a case, find what they believe is the primary suspect and go hard after him or her. However, expert witnesses cannot have an agenda. If you're walking in there to testify as an expert witness, whether a civil case or a criminal case, your job is just to explain something complicated that a lay person wouldn't know to the jury. You are to tell them facts. You are not supposed to care what those facts are. With forensic investigators, we just need to know if this bullet came from this gun. You shouldn't care whether or not it did if you're the investigator. You just need to confirm it did or it didn't. You know, if you've got a fingerprint, we just need to know if it came from the defendant. You shouldn't care whether it did or didn't. Your job is just to say it's a match. It's not a match. And frankly, the system doesn't work if that isn't done. You know, if, if scientists walk in there wanting everybody to go to jail, then they're not giving testimony that a jury can rely upon. You know, we need... We need to be able to trust their integrity, and we need to know that they're a neutral party in the case. Now, I know y'all are probably stuck up on the one big thing that I'm stuck up on, too, and I couldn't find an answer for, and I'm sorry. How did this dude wrap himself in barbed wire, then place a bomb on his neck? There has to be somebody else involved, in my opinion, to make that happen. I mean, again, the report is he's hogtied in barbed wire. His arms are tired to the window in the stairwell in a crucifixion-style pose, and then a bomb's on his neck. You can't do all of that by yourself. Somebody had to help. Now, apparently... This case was featured on the television program 48 Hours, and they actually tried to do a reenactment of this. And I tried to find a copy of this episode so I could watch that reenactment, but alas, I failed. I found like every other freaking season of the show except for the one I needed. <laughs> but maybe you'll have more luck. It's um, season 17. 
and the episode is called Terror in the Morgue. So if you do find it and you can shoot it to me, I'd appreciate it because I'd love to see it. But it wasn't on YouTube. It wasn't on Hulu. It wasn't on Amazon. It wasn't on Discovery Plus. I went through every streaming service I could to try to find it. So anyway, that's our mini-sode for all you lovely subscribers. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back sometime soon with another story of the weird picked out just for y'all. Until then, you guys keep rocking out. And this is Brad out. You survived another episode of Killing Missing Hidden, the podcast about bad things. Join us next time for another true and thrilling story.